you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Man, you guys look fantastic. Turn to somebody next to you and say good morning. Turn to your second choice and say happy Thanksgiving. I got to tell you, you guys are the few, the proud, not the Marines, but you're the few and the proud. You came on, your kids are out of school and you came to church. You didn't take off. You didn't wake up and like, ah, I'm not going to church. You came to church. So you are practically like my best friends. Can you give yourself a pat on the back for me? Oh man, so fantastic. Man, if you're with us for the very first time, my name is Carrie. My wife and I pastor this church that you are at today. Man, I want to tell you, if this is your first time with us, what an honor. Thanks for hanging out with us on Thanksgiving week, no doubt. I know you're, how many of you are already dreaming about the meals to come? Raise your hand. The rest of you are liars or you don't need, you don't have the right friends. You need to come over to my house because all I think about is food. The moment this service is over and the Cowboys destroying the Ravens, can I get an amen in this place? Woo, the anointing showed up. I have not preached here in this church in too long. I feel like I'm going to run way over time, Jeremy. I'm excited uh, about sharing with you today. Man, we're early too, man. Listen, can I get your permission to go like two hours today? Is that cool with you guys? (laughs) Awesome. Um, No, I I wanted to share a couple things with you. To be honest with you, I really am excited. Uh, This is my first time to ever preach a message specifically about Thanksgiving. And, uh, and I'm excited because we just got back from spending 12 days in Swaziland, which is in the southern point of, uh, of Africa, right, nestled right in the middle of South Africa, about the size of New Jersey, uh, just a little under a million people that call that place home. 55% of it um, is infected with either HIV or AIDS. Uh, 30% of children, the average life expectancy of men in that country is 28 years of age. The entire nation basically is being raised by grandmothers because there's an entire generation that just got ravaged with HIV and AIDS. And uh, I'm going to just tell you right now, it will change your life. We got a chance to go do a couple home visits in rural Swaziland. And this is a, uh, in other words, we walked about two miles from where we have a care point uh, where we feed 250 kids every day a warm meal. They get some preschool education. They get medical treatment because you're helping sponsor a child there. If you aren't sponsoring a kid, we'll, we'll help you know in the next couple weeks exactly what to do. So get ready. About $39 a month, and we can change a child's life. It's insane. So we do these home visits, and we walk about two miles. Everybody walks there. In fact, uh, one of our, 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 our people here, Matt and Allison Rogers, are somewhere around here. They sponsor a little four-year-old boy who walks four miles to school every day. Four years old. And the country is uh, a polygamous country. So his father has seven wives and 56 children. They can't afford to feed two or three kids, let alone 56 kids. How many of you know that's not really a wise decision? Seven wives and 56 kids, Right? So we're talking about extreme poverty. We're doing home visits where they literally, this, we went to one and this grandmother built a hut by herself by gathering sticks around her home and, and kind of layering these two-layered huts and there's like a, 
pillars that go up, and then she would get sticks that go on either side of those pillars, then fill those with rock, and then get mud thatch, and then a grass hut, legitimately, no electricity, no running water. The restroom is around her home. She had three huts. One wasn't completed, and the other one they couldn't sleep in because when it would rain, it would, it would uh, leak and flood in there. So they have eight people sleeping in a hut that's about eight foot by eight foot. I'm going to tell you right now, it puts things in perspective. We have so much to be grateful for. I don't know your scenario or your circumstance. I don't know how you came in today, but I can tell you right now, you have a lot to be grateful for. And so today I want to take a few moments and talk about gratitude. And here's what I can promise you. I, I'm not going to be able to blow your mind with some exceptional teaching that you've never heard of on gratitude. But I think God is in this place and wants to do something exceptional in your life and in mine. And if we just lean in, if we just lean in, sometimes that's just an attitude of our heart. Just to lean in and say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me today? I actually believe God is going to do the miraculous. So let's do that for 31 minutes and 23 seconds. Maybe two hours, we'll see. And let's see what God can do in our lives. Can we do that? Check out this passage of scripture. I was just reading this today. It's just, really, I'm not even going to reference it the rest of the message, but I just love this. It's Colossians chapter 3, and they have it on the screens for you today. And this is the message translation, and this is how it reads. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing things on your own. I love this next passage. Check this out. The next verse says, and cultivate thankfulness. It's like the writer just thought, he's like, hey, listen, let the peace of Christ be in your life. Do life together with amazing people. Don't try to be separated and isolated, but be in this thing with amazing people who are centered around who Jesus is. And, and then he kind of takes a break and goes, oh, and cultivate thankfulness, which means it's something that we actually have to work at. Thankfulness doesn't come naturally. Grat you have to teach your children to say thank you. You don't have to teach your children to say that's mine, do you? No. In fact, probably the first word you told your child was no. And if you don't have kids, it will happen one day. You don't have to teach that, but we have to teach, cultivate thankfulness. Look at this. The next passage says, let the word of Christ, this message, have the run of the house. In other words, let God's word and purpose be what plans and organizes and structures and drives your home. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. This next passage is for some of you men in here. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. I'm here and I'm singing. Nobody? Yeah, it's that time. It's Christmas. So I know some of you just like wake up singing. I do. Every day I wake up singing. Matt on the keys wakes up listening to the Top Gun anthem. And so maybe you just need to do that too. And sing. Sing your hearts out. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're in this place. And God, we didn't come here just to go home. In fact, we came here to experience who you are and what it is that you want to do in our lives. So God, I just pray that your purposes would be revealed, your plan would be accomplished. And God, we don't want to leave the same. 
we want to start to cultivate thankfulness, gratitude in our life. So help us to see what we can adjust and change and how we can make adjustments so that we can be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, go Cowboys. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> hey, we're eight and one right now. It's been 20 years, so just let me be excited for a moment. For those of you who don't care, it's okay, I do. So listen, I, I think one of the things that's interesting, uh, and, and I think one of the reasons that gratitude or thankfulness is not more a, a part of who we are as a nation is that we have made gratitude an event or a response, and it really needs to be a lifestyle. It really needs to be. Let me say that again. And, and here, if you're here today and you're following along, I want to just challenge you one of the best ways to follow along. You can text the word NOTES to the number on the screen. And if you've got the app U version, it'll pull up our sermon notes. And I've put, I specifically put some key things that will not be discussed in there just for you. Now, you cannot check your fantasy football team or Instagram while I'm talking, okay? But you do want to follow along and be worth it. But I, I believe that our biggest challenge is that we have made gratitude an event or a response rather than a lifestyle. Something happens to you and you say thank you, or you're, you teach your children when somebody gives them something, what do you say to them? You say thank you, or we get geared up right now, this time of the year, and we start prepping a menu and our meals, and we're excited about this, and we're ready for Thanksgiving, and more importantly, we're ready for Black Friday, right? Can I get an amen? Isn't it weird that it's no longer Black Friday? It's like all week long now. I think they took away the power of that, and I'm, we should revolt and not buy anything this year. Anyone with me? Nope, you're not. And we get excited about this, and so it becomes an event. It's the one time a year we talk to people about what we're thankful for. It's the one time, if you're here today and you have children, it's the one time of the year you sit down around an organized event or structure and you say, let's talk about what it is that we're thankful for. And I believe as a result, it has become just a response or just an event, and gratitude really does need to be a lifestyle. I believe that's the writer in Colossians was saying, and cultivate thankfulness. Work at this. Don't just make it a response, but make it your life. Today I want to talk to you about a few things that adjust or change or shift in our world when we make gratitude our focus. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Gratitude can shift in our focus. And the first thing I want to share with you today is gratitude shifts my focus away from my frustrations. Do we have any honest people in this room today? Anyone? How many of you have some frustrations in life? Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Now let's be real honest. How many of you had some frustrations this morning? Would you raise your hand? How many would say your spouse is your frustration? No, put your hand down. Don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, there, it, there's nothing you can do when you live, when you wake up, when you experience life, whether it's your job or family or your lack of job or your lack of family or your finances or, you know, I know many of you are so frustrated because you have too much in your finances. I mean, it's just, that's a big frustration for so many of us, right? And there are so many potential frustrations that we face and and is it, is it just me? Do we have some honest folks in here? Does it ever seem like the frustrations of life are louder and more obnoxious than anything else in your world, right? It's like that seems to be all we can focus on. It seems to be all that we notice is what isn't working, what isn't happening, what I haven't accomplished, where we haven't reached, what isn't or not, and it just becomes this major frustration, 
And I believe that gratitude shifts our focus off of our frustration, away from our frustration. Listen to what Psalms 107, it says this in the message translation. It says, thank, oh thank God. He's so good, his love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Leave that verse up. Anytime somebody starts a sentence off with, oh, you know it's going to be good. Like how many times do you go in your work and be like, oh, good morning. Never, please don't do that. And if you do, don't tell them you're at our church. Tell them in some other church. But oh, thank God! It's the writer, like, literally shouting. Shouting. Oh, thank God! He is so good. His love never runs out. And if you've been set free by God, then tell the world. Right? All I can think about is Elf. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Right? Tell the world. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Just take a deep breath. Go. God says you're welcome. It doesn't matter how bad your life is. You woke up this morning. Wow. You woke up this morning. You get to spend 25 minutes looking at this. 25 minutes. You get to come to a place where people actually are excited to see you today. Holy cow. Man, this is awesome. What a great day. What an awesome place to be. And hey, listen, if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, man, let's not forget that we've been set free. If you're here and you're not sure what you believe, you have permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you say, man, I'm giving my life to Jesus, and oh my gosh, you've been set free. If you're like me and you have a jacked up past, I know some of you are perfect, but I can point to those of you that are not. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. Man, I've made some pretty jacked up mistakes. I've had conversations with people that I love dearly where I saw the discouragement and disappointment wipe over their face. I've had conversations with my mom where I had to tell her things that I've done, and she just wept. But man, I'm so grateful for a God who set me free. So I don't know what frustrations you have, but gratitude, it shifts our focus away from our frustrations. We have a lot to be thankful for. I believe one reason that we struggle with gratitude is because we feel a sense of entitlement. Living as though the luxuries and the freedom and the routine that we experience is owed to us. I'm going to leave that up there for a second. It's in your notes if you're following along. If it's grammatically incorrect, then you belong on our tech team. I have a PhD in misspelled words and poor grammar. It's pretty good. It's an easy degree to get. I believe the one reason we struggle with, that was not a very good laugh, but that's cool. We struggle with gratitude is because we feel a sense of entitlement. Living as though luxuries and freedoms and the routine that we experience is owed to us. And then here's the problem. That sense of entitlement is usually what leads to serious frustration. Have you ever, now I know we're in church and some of you are going to probably lie right now. But any of you guys ever purchased a Powerball ticket when it was like $838 billion, right? Right, yeah, me too. (laughs) You're welcome. And you better tithe if you win, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you've ever purchased that, that's not a good financial plan, by the way. I'm just suggesting I've done that. You know what I didn't do when I found out I lost? I didn't, like, mope for days and, Ah, what in the world? I didn't win! Because I didn't expect to win. 
8 billion people played that same stupid game. I didn't feel a sense of entitlement. We face frustrations in this world when our sense of entitlement outweighs our sense of gratitude. Does that make sense? It was interesting. We, we sponsor a child. His name is Tondo. He's four years old. He's at our feeding site. I don't have pictures for you today. Cutest little kid. And, and we got there. We thought we fed 118 kids, but we feed 250 kids, which means we need to sponsor more children. So Brooklyn and I, who was with me, like my 12-year-old daughter, we were looking for another child. Who could we potentially sponsor? And one day we got to go to the home where Tondo stays before and after school uh, with an, an aunt because they don't know where his mom is. His dad has never been in the picture, and he's got about seven to ten little cousins running around. Kind of a crazy thing. Four years old, walks to school. And uh, we got there, and as we're walking, we're, this little girl came up and grabbed my, my daughter Brooklyn's hand, the sweetest little girl. Just amazing smile, and was like, we just kind of do this, do this little, do this little, do this little, little dance thing and shake her hips. Going, Hi, you're welcome. That's something to be grateful for right there. And, and she just, you know, started talking to us. And, and there's something endearing, like this endearing quality that happened. And there was this instant connection. You know what I'm talking about? You ever connect, you know, met somebody for the first time? Like, you just feel connected? That's what we felt. We're like, this is awesome. And we found out that her mom is the facilitator of the care point, which means she is the one adult responsible the one adult responsible for getting all those 250 kids in order. Her name is Pretty. Pretty, it's a pretty good name. Sweetest lady. And strong, too. 250 kids, and those kids would like do whatever she told them to do. And, and we found out that her daughter wasn't on the sponsor list because she didn't feel like she had the right to put her daughter on the sponsor list without getting permission. Does that make sense? And sponsor means that she's going to get medical care, tuition and school paid for, and food. We found this out, and we said, hey, can we sponsor your daughter? Just like that. And she literally started doing this dance and started saying, Jesus, Jesus. Literally, her and this other woman just started dancing around, and we're like, oh, I feel so awkward right now. What do we do with ourselves? And she hugged us 30 times and just started making up a song about how good God is, and for 30 minutes was running down the street singing, Jesus is so faithful. Jesus is so faithful. And while me and Brooklyn are like so awkwarded out, like what do we do with our hands? And I thought, wow, what a sense of gratitude. Because there wasn't an accompanied sense of entitlement. Yeah. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. And that means health and nutrition for her daughter. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. When we shift our focus of gratitude, when we make that our focus, it takes our focus off or shifts it away from our frustration. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment. If you're following along with the notes, I believe this is in there, but I just want you to take a moment right now, like right here, right now, and I want you to write down one person or one thing or one moment that you're grateful for. Seriously, take a moment. You have your phones on you. I can see none of y'all are looking down, so that's good. Keep looking at me. That's good. But right now, write down your gratitude. What's a person in your life or who is a person in your life that has made a, a dramatic impact on you that you're grateful for. Maybe it's something that you own. Maybe it's the home that you bought that you saved and saved and saved and saved and finally got into it. Maybe it's a car that you're driving. 
Maybe it's the clothes that you're wearing. What's something that you have? And then what's a moment you're grateful for? A moment. I think sometimes we, we get so focused on the issues that aren't happening and we forget the great moments of our life. Listen, gratitude, literally, it takes intentionality and it takes practice. We have to practice gratitude. That's why the writer said, cultivate thankfulness. I would encourage you to go home today and, and literally make a list of 25 or 30 things that you can be grateful for, 30 people or, or instances and moments that you go, man, I'm so grateful that I have this in my life. But if we don't actually take time to do that, then we'll just stay focused on our frustration. Or for 25 minutes when somebody, somebody is sharing about the importance of gratitude, we can think of something important, but when we drive home, the frustration will still be there. Are you tracking with me today? Let me tell you another thing that gratitude does. Gratitude shifts my focus away from my fears. Gratitude shifts my focus away from my fears. Do you know that there are more than 500 diagnosed phobias in this world? Wow. Oh, literally, clinically diagnosed, over 500 clinically diagnosed phobias, fears. I just want to read a few of these to you. And if you struggle with this, I'm not mocking you. I just think they're interesting. There's one called a phobia phobia, and that's a fear of fear. I feel like that's a good fear to have. Like, I'm so afraid of fear, I'm not going to be afraid. Are you tracking with me? That's a real one. Here's another one. This is true. I thought it was just a shirt and target nomophobia, and that's being without your cell phone. That's a true fear. So somebody has gone to see somebody and said, I just need help because when I don't have my phone, I fall apart. And that's you. We're praying for you. This is another one, turophobia, and that's a fear of cheese. I wish I had that fear because I love me some cheese, especially with carbs. That's the greatest match made in heaven. Here's another one. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Oh, man. Omphalobiphobia. I think that's correct, and that's a fear of belly buttons. I, too, have this fear. Audis and innies, they freak me out. It doesn't matter. Another one is... Uh, uh, pognophobia, and that is a fear of beards. So if you're friends with me or Sean Langford, you are tr in trouble. It's over for you. And while these are definitely silly and kind of humorous fears, there really are some serious fears, aren't there? In, fi I, I, in fact, I believe that humanity has been crippled by fears for millennia. You can probably identify some fears in your life. There's common fears like the fear of public speaking, if I was to come down right now and ask you to stand up and sing a solo, 99% of you would not want to, and the 1% should not. Can I get an amen? <laughs> to fear spiders and snakes, but you know there's also the fear of failure. That's crippling. It's crippling. Like literally just allowing the fear of failure to stop me from doing anything. And then I think another one is the fear of, un of the unknown. It's, it's, this, this thing has become more recent for me in, in my experience of connecting with people, and that is that people uh, are so afraid of what they don't know about, what they can't control, that they literally will do nothing. And we, we talked about this a few uh, series ago when we did, went through Wonder Life, but Mike Foster said that people would prefer predictable pain to uncertain gain. I'll take the pain that I'm walking through because I know this, but if I make changes, then that becomes unknown, and I would rather stay here in my pain. The problem is, when fear becomes the norm, it's like a fog that rolls in and it clouds our perspective, which is why gratitude shifts our focus away 
from our fear. Listen, there is neuroscience right now actually has oodles of research, and yes, I said oodles, hashtag it, oodles of research that tie the grateful perspective to emotional, physical, and spiritual health. This is true. Like there's like literally, you can, you can Google for days and it will show you how uh, building and cultivating gratitude actually provides better sleep. It's a better, stronger emotional stability, stronger social stability. It leads to longer life. I mean, there's literally, there's, there's just countless, countless amounts of, of information. And then there's the adverse information where the negative perspectives actually can tr- contribute to emotional strain and less str- sleep and more stress and a shorter lifespan. Now, I'm not talking about biblical. I'm just talking about neuroscience. There's so much research. And so I, I kind of wanted to illustrate this. Tanner and Jeremy, can you guys come up here? I want to illustrate this for you guys real quickly. Jeremy, come on this side. This is quite interesting um, I did some research on this, and if, if I get it wrong, then, then uh, you know, judge me and, and Google it later. But uh, uh, Tanner, stand over there on that black stripe. So here's, this is a kind of an interesting way that our brains work. So um, you, you may know this, many of you are brilliant. We only allow brilliant people at the Movement Church. And so um, you may know this, that you're, the brain has is, is got tons and tons of synapses in your, in, your, in your mind. And there's gaps between the synapse where, that's called a synapse synaptic cleft, I believe is what it's called. So again, don't judge me. I'm just reading what I read on Google, which is always factual. So um, it's called a synaptic cleft. And so when you have a thought, if Jeremy is a synapse and Tanner is a synapse, these are good looking synapses up here. If these guys are synapses, when you have a thought, it fires, go ahead. Uh, we need to work on catching, but that's okay. It pulled that a little bit taut there. It fires an electrical current across the synaptic cleft, like this, right? And then what happens is an actual electrical current follows from one synapse to the other, and then this thread carries the relevant information that you use in your mind to produce a thought. Are y'all tracking me today? Is this visual helping you? So right now, this is happening in your mind. You're thinking, man, Pastor Kerry, you're so good looking. You are brilliant, right? These are the thoughts you're having, right? Thank you, Megan. So this takes place on a regular basis, right? And so here's the thing. Hold on to that. You can let go. It's good. So here's the thing. As you have one thought, throw that across, it creates this electrical current. When you have that thought again, grab this piece of string here and step closer to each other. Boop, your brain, not, that's too much, guys, calm down. Now pull it tight, nobody can see that cable. Are you guys even working with me today? Perfect. As you have the thought multiple times, the synapse actually grow closer together. Take another step towards each other, pull this little taut. And what is happening, this is true, this isn't me, what's happening is how low, no, I'm kidding. What's happening is the brain is now rewiring. Your brain currently, the more you have thoughts together, it is rewiring because it wants to shrink the distance that your synapses and the electrical currents have to travel so that the thought becomes easier. Are you tracking with me? Brilliant, isn't it? Now, hold onto the string, but step back. Keep this rope taut, you guys. Can we give them a hand clap? They're doing amazing right now. So this is physically taking place in your brain right now. As you continue to have the same thoughts on a consistent basis, the synapses in your brain are getting closer to each other, allowing this to become an easier thought to have. The problem then becomes, as your brain is rewiring, your mind actually will begin to choose thoughts based on what is the easiest thought to have. Are you tracking with me? So here's what happens in our life. 
We're frustrated because we don't make enough money to take a step closer. We're experiencing failure in our marriage and it just doesn't seem to be working. Take a step closer, pull it tight. There we go. Good. And then now, we don't, we, our finances are in the toilet. It's been crazy. I'm just afraid of what's going to happen. Now don't, that's too close. That's just awkward. That's just awkward. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? So what happens is our frustrations and our fears and truthfully, negative thoughts begin to take the place of everything in our mind. And here's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is that you're more likely to have a random negative thought if this becomes the norm in your life. Which means as you're just walking through life and you randomly have a thought that occurs, it's more likely to be based out of fear or frustration or negative. This is because it comes easier and easier for our minds to think. Are you tracking me today? Can you guys give them a round of applause as they step off the stage? You can take it with you. Listen to this. This is what Parton says. He says, The closer synapse results in a generally more pessimistic outlook. Through repetition of thought, you've brought the pair of synapses that represent your negative proclivities closer and closer together. And when the moment arises for you to form a thought, the thought that wins is the one that has the less distance to travel. The one that will create a bridge between synapse fastest. Gloom soon outraces positivity. I wonder, I wonder why the writer in Colossians said, and cultivate thankfulness. I wonder why. Thousands of years before this would become known to us. Maybe because he realized that it's easy for us to get focused on what isn't working, what hasn't been accomplished, what's frustrating in my life, what seems to be certain failure, what seems to be an overwhelming sense of fear. And my challenge to you and me today is to listen to the writer when he says, cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. My encouragement, one practical application would be to start and end each day with gratitude. I love what the writer says in Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When you wake up in the morning and you take a breath, there's no greater way to start the day than say, God, thank you for today. Let it be the best day I've ever lived. Help me to experience the fullness of who you are. A third and final point today with just a few minutes left is that gratitude shifts my focus toward my future. Gratitude shifts my focus towards my future. Psalm 100 says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. Now again, if you're new here or you're not really sure what you believe, you have permission not to believe. But as for me and my house, we believe that God created us. And I love this passage. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. When I was in elementary school, we went to a church called Prairie Creek Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. And I got this little necklace that my teacher made for us. And it was this little wooden heart and had a little yellow elastic strap that went around it and you wore it. And on the heart it said this, I'm me and I'm wonderful because God don't make junk. Does that sound like Texas or what? <laughs> I'm me and I'm wonderful because God don't make junk. 
I think the writer here is reminding us, hey, God made you. His plans and his promises are for you. That's a reminder of the future. And the writer here is saying, hey, let's remember that God's in charge of this thing. He's doing something amazing. The next passage says this, and we are his, his people, and the sheep of his pasture. This is the the word picture of a shepherd, which many of you have no concept of because we don't work too strongly in agriculture and farm and livestock anymore. But the picture of a shepherd here is this idea and this concept of a, a, a shepherd in the midst of the flock. Shepherds weren't on a horse wrangling the sheep with a whip. No, they walked among the sheep in the midst of them. That means that they knew the names of every sheep in their fold. They knew when a sheep was sick and which one was pregnant and which one needed the most help. And they knew the number of every single sheep in their herd. And if one was missing, in fact, Jesus told a story of the shepherd who lost one in 99. He put the 99 in a pen and went looking for the one. That's the concept and the idea and the imagery of a shepherd here. A shepherd who is protection and comfort and strength. This is the God that I serve who comes alongside of me in everything. And the writer is reminding me that I'm his. He's actively and radically a part of my life. Verse 4, the writer again, he shifts the context again and he says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. In other words, hey, just know that the Lord is God and you are his, the sheep of his pasture. So you know what? Our response should be gratitude because God is good. God is faithful. He's watching out. That's a reminder of a great future. Enter his gates with, his thanks, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I love the next and the last verse we'll read today. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is to all generations. What does that mean? God has a future for you. A future. And here's the greatest thing about God. The Bible says that the future that he has, it surpasses our wildest expectations. Exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask for or even imagine. Gratitude shifts my focus towards my future even in the darkest times even when things seem like it couldn't get any worse a moment ago I asked you guys to write down a moment for you that meant something I did that on purpose because I wanted to share a moment with you today I don't know if we did this in tech run through with the video I don't know if it's prepared or not I think so I put it in my notes. We got it? Thumbs up? Awesome. I didn't even tell them about this. But I wanted to share a moment with you that was right in the midst of the darkest season of my life. 
A little over two years ago, my dad's battle with cancer went downhill fast. And we flew into Texas knowing that, man, we're not sure how much longer he has. So I got to take a moment with my dad in the hospital, and I just wanted to share this quick video with you. A lot because I love you so much, and I don't want you to grow up without me seeing you. So, um, stop growing for a while, and then we'll get out there to see you. Granddad, if you could say one thing to Brooklyn and Avery, what would you say to him? I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> I do, I really do, and I miss you so much. And we hear that you uh, are doing great, and we're so happy about that. That you love to work in the church that you just bring smiles to people's faces. Um, and we're just so very, very proud of you. And we're also proud of your mommy, and we love to hear <laughs> her, too. I love your dances you do. You twirl around, and, and then Brooklyn, all of a sudden, at a restaurant, just starts dancing crazy-wise. <laughs> and of course, Avery. No, Brooklyn, too. I've seen her do some. Well, maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm hallucinating. I don't know. I'm on a lot of medication. I'm sorry. All right. All right. We love you. We do love Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. I wanted to share that moment with you because uh, I'm grateful for this. And I'll tell you why. Because my dad's making jokes two weeks before he passes away. And he's focusing in on what is important. And what could have been horrible actually was amazing. And now today, every once in a while in the middle of the night, I hear this video playing in my, my daughter's room, watching her grandfather and what he has said to her. And I'm grateful for that. My dad lived an amazing life, and it would be so easy to allow the grief to overwhelm and shift my perspective to that which is negative, to fear of the future, to the frustration of not having my dad here to celebrate Thanksgiving. But this is a reminder. My dad lived an amazing life. He loved the Lord and passed down an amazing legacy and, and always infused humor, sometimes inappropriately and awkwardly, but always infused humor. And so I'm grateful for this, but I wouldn't have it if he hadn't raised us to make sure gratitude was more than a response and more than an event, but the gratitude was a part of our life. And I just wonder what would change and shift in our world if the frustrations of our life and the fears of our life stop becoming the focus of our life, but rather gratitude. If we took moments throughout the day to, to say what I'm thankful for, the people and the things that I have and the moments I've experienced to begin my day and to end my day, I think that literally God would begin to rewire our brain. And then the random thoughts that we have throughout the day would be less of frustration and fear and more of excitement for the future. And you know what i got to tell you? That is contagious, my friends. Negativity is too. Like water in a toilet bowl. But gratitude, that's what you want to be around. That's an environment you want to cultivate in your home. And I think it would be horrible for us to just celebrate Thanksgiving. Talk about what we're grateful for for this week. But to not allow this to become a part of our lives. How many of you in here would just be honest and say, you know what, I, I'm not 
doing that great at, at being a grateful individual. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Thanks for being honest. Me too. Can I just pray for us today? That God can shift our perspective and we start to see things through the eyes that he has. Can I do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you've given us the ability to, to choose how we think our way through this life. So God, right now, I just pray that you would help us, Father, to shift our perspective from our frustrations and from our fears. God, that gratitude would become the filter in our life. God, that we can see things the way you see things and be reminded of the great future that we have ahead of us. God, we want gratitude not to be just a response or just an event, but to be a lifestyle. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, just look at me for one moment. We're almost finished. I just want to take a, a, a second real quickly to talk to some of you in this room who may be either wavering in your faith or new to this whole concept. And I just want to just challenge you. We do this every week because it matters. That God wants to do something radical in your life, but there is a starting point. It doesn't happen through osmosis, and it's not just about church membership. It's not about eradicating your past. Thank God, because the truth is none of us can but there's a starting point. And you might be here today saying, I don't know if you realize what's in my past. Or man, I've tried this God thing and I feel a separation, this gap between me and God. And I would just challenge you. The Bible actually talks about that gap. It's called a sin gap. All of us have sin in our life. And there's a consequence for sin. And you get that because if you speed past a police officer, you're going to get a consequence called a ticket. But here's the great thing. The Bible says that God paid that consequence, that ransom for our sin. Jesus lived on this earth a sinless life, and he died a sinner's death. We don't have to get everything perfect or become a member of a church to start that relationship with him. We just simply have to say yes to him. And if you're here today and you've never begun that relationship, I don't want to embarrass you, ask you to get out of your seat, but I want to give you an opportunity to change that. And some of you today have been running from God, and today is the day to come running back. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. We do this every week because it's that important. And I want to challenge you, if you've never prayed this prayer with me, or if you need to pray it again for the first time in a long time, right where you're seated in your own heart, just repeat this after me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. It's a simple prayer, but let it be a reflection of your heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. God, I have a sin in my past, and I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sins. Just make this statement your own, right where you're seated, in your own heart. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.